Hello and welcome to Pro Construction Guys weekly series of ProCasts. This is episode 33, Get Off the Truck. I'm John Gordon. And I'm David Dolval. Thanks for joining us. Each week, Pro Construction Guide magazine brings you a new ProCast built exclusively, exclusively for you, the professional contractors. The only podcast for pros, hosted by pros, and with successful contractors as guests. You can listen to any ProCast at ProConstructionGuide.com or iTunes. Before we begin our conversation, we'd like to thank Rigid for sponsoring this podcast. Amen. And a little bit about John and David. David and I have been hosting a home improvement radio show for, I'd say, next month. It'll be 21 years. Um, do a lot of things with uh, a lot of different associations, remodeling association. And, but most importantly, if you, just, if you want to learn about John and Dave, go to askjohnanddave.com. You can see a little bit about us there and some of the things that we do. We think what's most important here is, uh, is talking about what's, uh, what's good for you, our pro listeners. And, and you know, we always like to let our pro listeners know how they can save time and save money. And one of the best ways I know is to sign up for the Pro Construction Guide email newsletter. It's loaded with really good, insightful articles, like the ones in this week's newsletter about quick and easy HVAC fixes, how you can find a niche in the business by offering an aging in place service. And then best of all, these newsletters include kind of hefty discounts on all kinds of project, uh, products just for contractors. And, and um, if, if you think all that is good, you're really going to like the price because it's free. How about that? John, what I really like about newsletters is that I don't have to download it. I just get it in my inbox. There you go. Any pro can sign up for the newsletter at ProConstructionGuide.com. It's easy to sign up, and as John said, the newsletter is free. Awesome. Now, we got a really cool thing happening in this podcast. We're actually going to do an interview and then an interview. So we've got two really good resources, and we want to introduce you to our first guest. It's Josh McKean from Rigid. Josh, uh, can you give our listeners the 30-second bio on Josh? Sure. Thanks, guys, for having me. I really appreciate it. Uh, I'm the director of sales for Rigid Wet Dry Vac, so I work exclusively with the Home Depot. I've been in the home improvement industry my entire career, and I'm based here in Atlanta, Georgia, and look forward to talking to you guys today. Awesome. So, Josh, um, we've, we've talked just briefly in different blurbs about some of the features and benefits of the, uh, of the new Rigid Pro Pack Wet and Dry Vac. It's actually pretty slick, but from your perspective, you probably have some more details. Share with us what you think are some of the features and benefits of, of that actually pretty cool tool. Well, you know, when most people think about a wet dry vac, they think of kind of the larger, typical drum-style wet dry vac. And what, what makes the Pro-Pack really unique is its, its size and its design. It's only four and a half gallons, and it's shaped like a toolbox. So the idea behind it is it's very portable, it's easy to carry around, and because of that toolbox style or design, you're able to actually stack stuff on top of it. It can stack on top of other things, easy to keep in your truck or on your van, um, it's just a great little tool that you're able to um, uh, carry around. And, again, portability and convenience is the big thing with it. And right now it's available at all Home Depot stores nationwide. What else makes the ProVac unique? Well, the great thing about it, too, is even though it is a little bit smaller, like we talked about in the 4.5-gallon size, it still has a 5-horsepower motor, which is actually the same size motor that we have in our 12-gallon. So even though you lose a little bit in terms of size, you don't lose anything in terms of power and performance, which is absolutely fantastic. And a great thing about it as well is, like I talked about, it's got that toolbox-style design. Everything fits within the actual vac itself. So your 7-foot hose, your 20-foot power cord, the filter, all of your accessories stores within it so that when you have that on the back of your truck or in your van, it's not going to fall out. You're not going to lose anything when you're on the go. 
Easy wow. to change the filter on that one, Josh? Super easy. You just pop it right on right off. We have our uh, patented quick lock feature on all of our filters, so there's no screws, anything to lose. You just pop it right on and right off. Cool. Now, there's other wet-dry rigid vacs available at the Home Depot, Yeah. Yeah, we've got, of course, a full assortment that's there right now, but one of the other new items that we have is our 18-volt rigid cordless vac. Um, Home Depot believes, and we do too, that you know one size doesn't really fit all for the contractors that are out there. So we've kind of taken on the idea of you know letting the pro and the contractor add to their arsenal. You know, it might work for a 12-gallon or a 14-gallon vac. You know, may not be the best on every single job site. So the cordless vacs that we have out there are a little bit smaller, and of course they have all the benefits of a cordless power tool and that you don't have to have electricity. And our vac actually runs on any rigid 18-volt battery that's out there uh, since the beginning of the rigid cordless program, so that makes it super convenient and no guesswork in terms of what battery might fit it. And again, it's a three-gallon, so it's small, it's portable, and it's convenient, and it's a great vac to add to the contractor's arsenal. Typical runtime on it, guys, is about 12 to 15 minutes. And what we've found over time is that the typical cleanup job on a job site is around six minutes. So you're usually going to get about two full cleanups on each battery charge. So it's a great secondary job or secondary vac, rather, for uh, any of the smaller jobs that you might have out there, whether it's a smaller space that you need a small vac to get into or you just simply don't have the power. Awesome. So, look, we've been very, very careful for 20-plus years not to have infomercials. So if we're talking about a product like this, we're talking about it because we really believe it's going to bring value um, to your business. It's going to make your business better um, so by being aware of it and, of course, engage and use it. So, Josh, thank you very much for joining us today on this ProCast, and many thanks to Rigid for the sponsorship that they bring to our, uh, to our ProCasts. Thanks for having me on, guys. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Have a great one. Bye-bye. Bye. So, on with the show. Uh, This morning, we're talking about how you, the professional, can get out of the field and start making more profit. Our guest today is Ryan Parsons, the co-owner of Brothers That Just Do Gutters. Welcome back to the Pro Construction Guys Weekly Procast, Ryan. Can you kind of remind folks, this isn't your first time with us, so just remind folks, 30-second bio on uh, Ryan Parsons. Great. I'm Ryan Parsons with the Brothers That Just Do Gutters. We started in 19... 99 and now we are also a national franchise you can find out more at brothersgutters.com or brothersfranchise.com thank you awesome so um ryan you you've done something that i really like by the way you just kind of put things into three steps i like threes my brain and i don't think it's radically different well, I shouldn't say that. Then most brains, uh, <laughs> then a lot of people line up to have an opinion about that. But anyway, um, uh, I think we, do we we can remember things in threes. And and I know that you say that there's three steps that are going to allow a contractor to get out of the field and help them make more profit. Um, what are those three steps? Well, the three steps that we've narrowed it down to are one, know your numbers; two, train like it's your job. And three, manage production. Okay, so that sounds really good, and I bet it looks good on a PowerPoint slide, but we need some oh, explanations. Yeah, so, so, yeah there's so, only that, you know, 200,000 steps, you know, in between them, but we'll do yeah. these three. Okay, okay. So first step. All right, go ahead. No, tell us. Get, go ahead. It's yours. You, you got the mic. You're, what the first step in the process is, know your numbers. Know your numbers. All right, so knowing your numbers that's one thing, it sounds silly because most of us are in business and the people that are listening to this and, and we at one point were the guys doing the work. 
So what we realized is we were just kind of basically working hard, and we yeah. didn't really know our numbers. We kind of knew what our competitors charged per foot or per square or how much we should be charging. So we kind of just set off on this adventure of business by basically charging what we think we're supposed to be charging, but we really don't know any of our numbers. So um, what we really had to do is to kind of know our numbers. And it wasn't just the, the numbers that we charge. It was how much do you pay in material? How much do you pay in workmen's come? How much are your wages overall? These are all the numbers um, that you need to have really good grasp on before you can make any kind of calculated business decisions. Uh, there are also some other numbers, your historical numbers. These are really important. A lot of guys in the beginning, they don't really keep great records. They just do jobs. They get the money in the bank, and they hope there's enough left over at the end of the week to pay their guys material and hopefully have some. So keeping really good records is not always one of their uh, main goals. But I would say if you're listening to this today, start now. You need to have historic data. How much revenue are you doing in a week? What are your expenses? Programs like QuickBooks have become very easy to get and keep updated, uh, knowing your numbers. So that's a little bit about knowing your numbers. And uh, the one thing that we had to do when we were knowing our numbers was we had to kind of forget everything we thought we knew about how to charge. Does that okay. make sense? It, I think it does. I think it does. So um, I think you're headed where I kind of what my next question would have been or is, and that's how did you guys get to the point of knowing your production costs and making money? And, and do you have to have it down to the penny or, or um, so just how, how did you get there to, I guess, to figure that out? Okay. So what we basically had to do was we, we had to kind of do what I said in that first part is just knowing some of your basic numbers and anybody who's been in business for some time will know the seasonality uh, when the slower months are, the busy months are, those types of things. But what we ended up doing is, uh, with the help of our business coach, we developed what we call a revenue cookbook. And this was absolutely awesome. This is basically, let's just say you want to, let's just say you made $100,000 in gross, uh, $100,000 in gross uh, revenue last year. Mm -hmm. And this year you wanted to increase to 120000 So, Pretty basic math. You know, you basically have to do 120000 You could just divide that by 12 months, and that's 10000 a month that you need to do, and that becomes your revenue cookbook. However, in our businesses, we don't do the same amount of revenue every month. You know, January, February, and going into March, you're not going to do it the same. So then you split that revenue up. So you might do 5000 in January. You might do 1000 in February, and then you're going to start going up and up, and then your big season. And at the end of the year, you basically make that number equal 120000 and that becomes your goal. I got it. And th this revenue cookbook now, so that's the basic. And now how to get to that number, this was like earth-shattering for us, is, wow, it's, the only way to get to that number is by employees, because employees shouldn't cost you money. They should make you money. And that was a really tough concept for us when we're trying to grow our business. And you think about adding a guy 
and whether it's five hundred or a thousand dollars extra a week, you go, oh my gosh, I don't have five hundred or a thousand dollars more a week. Right. But if you're charging for that guy, then you should have at least double that. I would say, if you pay a guy twenty dollars an hour and you're charging him out at fifty, you will be making uh, money uh, on that employee. So back to the revenue cookbook. What we determined was that let's just say one employee, if you're charging us $50 an hour, and now I'm going to do math out loud, this could get ugly, guys, but <laughs> so if you're charging them out at $50 an hour and they work a 40-hour work week, that brings in what? $2,000. Yes, I'm sorry. So $2,000 in four, you know, four weeks in the month, that's $8,000. So if your goal for the month is $8,000 in revenue, you can achieve that with one guy. And if your goal for the month is $16,000, you can achieve that with two guys. So really, the simplicity of putting together a revenue cookbook comes down to how many guys you have. And it, it sounds silly as we're talking about it now. It's like, oh, yeah, duh. But as business owners, when we're out there swinging a hammer, the only thing that we keep doing is working harder. We, we don't necessarily step back and say, wow, if I had one more guy, I could, you know, I should be able to get this much more done. And then if, at least if, when I'm bidding a job, I'm bidding it for three guys, myself and these two guys. And then you're covering that revenue. So at the end of the week, you will have enough to pay that guy. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah, it sure. does. It, kind of like it's a gas tank or a, you know and it's only got so much capacity you can pump the gas out faster but if it's only a five gallon thing you're only getting five gallons worth of gas out of it so when you start thinking about your guys in terms of labor there's limited capacity i think is what you're saying david you know that probably better than i do well yeah i mean and it's uh, i always compare it to you know don't don't raise the taxes or don't raise the wages create more taxpayers yeah more wages well, i like that yeah so Good. Yeah. What are you running for office or something? Yes, I am. I just I <laughs> yeah. wanted to announce that today. <laughs> All, right, All right. So, so you, hey, you heard it here. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so, 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 Ryan, once you have your production costs, what what do you charge the customers? What's next? Well, that all has to do with your overhead, and this is where you kind of have to have a real good gut check of you know. It, it doesn't necessarily get easier to grow your business. This doesn't make your life easier. This actually makes your life more difficult for a time. So you have to look at it and go, all right, I'm an owner-installer. Um, let's just assume you're making good money. You're, you're working hard. You're making good money. But this is not what you set out to do. When you started your own business, you were picturing a different lifestyle. You were picturing you know, guys that went out, crews of guys that go out. You would have the time on the weekends to to spend with your family, you're going to make it to your kids' games, all the stuff that's important to you, that's kind of how you pictured owning a business. So if that's what you want, then these are the steps that I, I suggest you take. A lot of guys, they make a great living, but they're working in their business, so they don't necessarily have that time. They may have the money, but the time is the part that they, that they lack. So that's what we're going to uh, go into next is how to – get to that next step. How do you get guys to step up to the plate? How do you, how do you get leaders out of, because you can't just throw more people in the field, right? Without 
Great, taking some great steps. Question. Well, it, and and well, I, and there's a lot of people out there doing it. Trust me. Let's yeah, get out there true. and just go do it. Uh, doesn't really work, <laughs> does it? It doesn't work if you want to have that peace. Uh, if you want to enjoy <laughs> business, no, that does not work. But, um, so what you have to do is so let's just now you know your numbers. You've got your revenue cookbook. You kind of have a really good feeling. Like all right, this is if, if I'm going to grow, I know I need more guys. So now you have to really. This is hard, and this is hard for most guys at this point, is you got to look at your current guys that you have working for you. Yeah. And you might have a really – you might have a great technician. Let's just say you got one guy. He's awesome. Yeah. But you don't like to leave him alone with clients. He, If he shows up Mondays, that's a miracle. He might have <laughs> a lot of other baggage. If he comes with a lot of butts, you know, he's a great carpenter, but, you know – He's late a lot. He's a great this, but, you know, you try and tell him how to do something different, and he, uh, he doesn't want to hear it. If you've got a guy like that on staff, you cannot build a company on him. Right. It's a shame because there's tons of guys like that, and they have the talent. They have, yeah, you're like, and- man, if you could just get your crap together, you could own this company. You could do whatever you want. Well, and it's so, hard. You know, you gotta be careful too, because you may not want to just get rid of a guy who's a good technician, because those guys are not just falling off trees out there. So no, they're not. But guess what? There's good technicians that are working everywhere that are really underappreciated and underpaid. There are guys and companies out there that don't treat their employees great, and you have this guy. He's dedicated because he wants to provide for his family. He shows up on time. He does a great day's work, but. At the end of the day, he's not happy. Yeah. So there are guys, but you're right. They're pretty much the guys that have jobs. And uh, I'm not telling you to go poach your competitors' people, but if you get the word out there that you're looking for a guy that you know can lead and they want to work up in a company and, and you want to provide them something better, then that's how you can get that guy. Talk about the skills ladder thing that you, that you guys do. Okay, no problem. So the... This goes into training. So you got these guys, and what we what we found for years is that we were just like we were good bosses and we were nice to our guys, but we weren't really investing in them. And they were kind of feeling frustrated. You know, a year would go by, then they'd ask about a raise, and we'd go, "Oh yeah, okay, yeah, we'll give you a little more money." But what we did is we realized that there was no career path, there was no vision for our guys. So we developed something called the skills ladder, and basically at the um, bottom level is apprentice, then installer assistant, then uh, junior head installer, senior head installer, and field supervisor. These are all positions with our company, and they're all um, categories right next to each one that says what you need to be proficient at in order to get a raise and get to the next level uh, of, uh, you know, to become an apprentice, to installer assistant, to a junior head. And that really was pivotal in us changing not only the structure of our company, but the culture. Our culture um, is absolutely amazing, if I do say so myself. Um, no, that's good. That's good that's, stuff. That's, that's great. exactly what you want. Yeah. So this next section, I call it train it, train like it's your job. And that's what we did. We trained like it was our job. We developed a career path. We invested in these guys. We met with them every week for an hour in the office. We would go out on site, manage everything. We read every client testimonial to them. So we continually invested in them. And I would say when you're at this phase, 
you're going to be out there with the guys, but you're going to be trying to get them to leave. So you're going to start taking the back seat as the owner, and you're going to say, all right, you know, uh, installer, or let's call him Bob. Hey, Bob, all right, here's the job today. Why don't you tell me how you're going to approach this? I want you to leave. And you let them talk to you and tell you what they're going to do. You let them call the client or go over the scope with the client. You let them make the decisions, and you have to continually put into them, and then you kind of meet with them every day, every morning, every at the end of every day. You meet with them in the morning. You set the goal at the end of the day. You ask how it went. You give them feedback. It's continual back-and-forth feedback until you feel like Bob can lead without you. And when Bob can lead without you, that's when it's time to go to that second crew. And you repeat the process. Um, There's two ways to go to a second crew. If you've got two guys that can lead, great. You just split them up and get them a very decent second man. Now you've got two crews. Sometimes we're not that fortunate, and the owner starts running the second crew while Bob runs the first crew. And then he's, you know, repeat, and then he's got to get himself out of the hourglass. So that's basically the process, and you're doing this all by the numbers, don't forget. So you're hiring, when you see that month coming up where you need four guys and you've only got three, you know you've got to be recruiting right now. You've got to be looking out for that fourth hire because that's how you're going to hit your revenue goal and continue to be able to get yourself out of the production hourglass. Makes sense. Uh, it's good stuff. Once you once you get rolling on it, though, it's 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 uh, it, it just becomes second nature, doesn't it? It does. And what I'll tell you is, the going from the one to the two crews is the worst. It's really hard. It's where most guys quit and go back to doing it themselves. They really feel like I used to make more money when I did it myself. If I can't, if you don't do it yourself, it doesn't get done right. All those feelings take place, and that's why you have to keep training. When the mistakes happen and the guy hangs a gutter upside down, not that that ever happened, but, um, <laughs> you know, you've got to go and teach them how to fix it. You don't just give up and say, forget it. It doesn't work. You can't grow your business. You have to stick with it. Um, and what we found, that one to two crew, you have to make that two to three crew as fast as you can. Staying at two crews, and I know in our business, and in most businesses, you're really not making any more money because there's a lot of expense that goes with there. It's typically another truck or machinery and tools. It's that third crew where you start making profit again in your company. Right. Okay. So so thinking about the, the, the way you broke it down, know your numbers. You talked about training like it's your job. And, and actually training and retraining, and as soon as there's a problem, you don't stop, you train again. Then the third thing that you said was managing production. Talk about that step, Ryan. Now you're a manager. Imagine now you have three crews going out. You don't have to be on them. But now you're managing it. And what most guys call this secretly is babysitting. <laughs> they say, oh, man, I feel like I'm babysitting. You know, if I'm not there in the morning, then the guys don't get started. You start having different problems. So now you're just managing. You're, you're literally, now you're stepping back, you're going at revenue cookbook, and you're, you have the time. So you've just created a lot of time if you're not in the field swinging a hammer or training necessarily side-by-side a guy. So now you take your revenue goal, and yes, to go back to your, your earlier question, do you go down to the penny, to the day? This okay. is where you have the opportunity to take that, you know, let's call it for an easy, uh, goal, let's say you have $20,000 goal for the month, and there's 20 working days. 
that means you have to produce $1,000 a day. So now as you're looking at the schedule and you're booking jobs, you can let your guys know, hey, listen, guys, we've got to get this. You know, we've got a job. It's a three-day job. And uh, I, by day one, I think you're going to be, uh, I need you guys to be at this point of the job by day two here. So now you're managing jobs. They're not just working hard. They know what they're working towards. You're helping, uh, you're training now more in, let's just say, a classroom environment. You're able to focus more on sales and production rates. And uh, when you do that, when you know your numbers, it gives you way more posture when you're selling because you don't lower your price when you know if you don't get this number, you're not going to make right. your gross profit, which means you can't cover your overhead. So it's, it all links together. So now when you're managing, you're managing from a point of knowing exactly what you need to do. It's not just about working hard anymore. It's about working smart. Very good. Uh, so what, what else do you do, Brian? So what we do now, and at, at this point, we've ha- hired a field supervisor, so what we do is now the field supervisor, and this is, he basically has the role of most small business owners. He is managing production. He's going out, any, any kind of quality control issue, he's out there. He's meeting with the guys every Wednesday morning. We have a 6.30 meeting, um, 6.30 to 7.30. We go over some jobs. We go over some training stuff. We read our satisfaction surveys. He's every single person that works for us in the field they have a training companion manual, and we go through it. We, we go through the skills that they need to acquire to get to the next level. Um, those are all the types of things we're doing. I don't know if we talked about this in the last call, but all of our installers have to read books in order to get promoted, and they're books that have to do with the position that they're in. So right before somebody's allowed to run a truck, they've got to read a book called Raving Fans, and Raving Fans basically talks about not just having good customer service, it's talking about like over the top, how do you provide an experience for somebody that just makes them want to become a raving fan and tell everyone they know about you. So we're continually just investing and coming up with ways to just really become better. And and you start dealing with fun issues, not like the big ones. It's like little stuff like, hey, we should change this on the paperwork because the guys want to know if... uh, I don't know, they've got shrubs around the house. You start nitpicking your systems rather than always putting out these huge fires. And that's, that's where it becomes very enjoyable. And I'll tell you, when we got to three crews, it was, it was very difficult to get there, and we made a lot of mistakes getting there, and we didn't do it fast enough. But I'll tell you, three to four to five to six to seven to eight crews has been the easiest, easiest growth in our business because we – got rid of the crappy installers. We built our company around guys with great attitudes and work ethic, and we taught them basically the skills that they needed. We didn't have any talent, let's say, um, on our team when we rebuilt it after, the, uh, after the, uh, the recession. So, And then growth from three trucks to eight trucks was like the best part of our business yet. Mm-hmm. Okay. So once you had the system down, it just was started to duplicate. Yeah, and then we decided to replace ourselves even more. You know, we could have stayed there, but Ken and I had a bigger vision. We wanted to franchise our company. So then, you know, take what we just talked about, those three aspects of getting out of production. Now we had to get ourselves out of sales and out of other management roles with other people. So then we hired sales staff, 
I hired a field supervisor who was from within. He, he, he went up through the ranks. And now we're able to, now we manage just our managers. Awesome. Rather, nice. And then they manage all the things that we just talked about. Very good. So look, before we end the podcast, I'd like to drop in a word from our other sponsor. If you're looking for power on the go, the easy-to-carry Rigid Pro Pack is a 4.5-gallon wet-dry vac designed to deliver powerful suction while achieving the demands of the Pro. The Pro Pack's toolbox design provides convenience and mobility to and from the job site. The hose and tools store compactly inside while delivering full-size performance, rugged durability, and offering the powerful performance necessary to get the pro job done. It comes with Rigid's industry-leading lifetime warranty that gives you peace of mind. It's now exclusively at the Home Depot or at homedepot.com. So, Ryan, you started with what I think is great, a summary of three points that, are, that, are, that, are, that our pros should take away from this Real quick, wrap us up with what you think the three things you want to leave our, our pro uh, listeners with. All right. Know your numbers, train like it's your job, and manage. Know your numbers, train like it's your job, imagine that, and manage. Hmm. Excellent. Ryan, thank you so much for your time and for your insights. Folks, you can learn more about Ryan's business at www.brothersgutters.com. That's www brothersgutters.com Now it's time for our spare parts box. You know that if you've been listening to a while Dave and I reach into our spare parts box. It's a virtual spare parts box. Just kind of dig out some ideas that we think are cool and we want to share with you our professional listeners. This this week reaching into my box I found something super simple that I think is really slick though. It's just uh, it's one of those kind of cool things. It's Leviton's series of uh, screwless, if you will, wall plates, plates to snap on, uh, switch plates, outlet covers, and so on. So you get a nice, crisp finish. No screws are visible. Uh, and it, I don't know, there's just something about when you, when you don't think, hey, big deal. It's, you know, the three-gang you know, three gang cover, you got six screws and, and they're tiny. Who gives a flip? But the truth of the matter is when you look at one, you look at the other, it's a nice crisp thing. It's one of those things that you can do as a pro. You can share with your customers that sort of says, hey, I'm paying attention to detail here for you. And I'm definitely worth the amount of money you're paying for me to do your job. There you go. Those are very cool. And, hey, John, have you seen the ones with the uh, LEDs? Yes. You know? I, I actually put that on my list. I wanna, I'm going to pull that out of our toolbox another week. They are awesome. Very cool. <laughs> That's yeah, great. We'll talk yep. about that. I like yep. those. Yep. All right, look, if you want to listen to our podcast or share this podcast, you can visit us at www.proconstructionguide.com. And if you haven't gotten your copy of the Pro Construction Guide, then visit the Home Depot uh, closest to you. Uh, you can pick it up. You copies, are, copies are right there at the Pro Desk. Hey, do you have any feedback for us? Give us a call at 866-647-2346. Leave a message. We want to hear your thoughts. Hey, we'll see you next on the next episode of Pro Construction Guide Magazine's ProCast podcast. We hope you'll make us a valuable tool in your toolbox.